Welcome to part one of our brand new series that we've titled Suit Up. I'll explain a bit more about that in a moment, but just to give you some background, it, it actually struck me just recently that we are quite literally at the halfway mark of the strangest year, I imagine, of most of our lives. Um, as of this coming Wednesday, we are literally entering into the second half of 2020. And I wanna be so uh, careful to take stock myself and to encourage you as well to make sure that we don't just survive the last half of this year. Depending on the circumstances that you're facing, maybe survival is pretty impressive, and so I don't want to downplay that, but I just want to make sure that, that we're not just taking blows um, and kind of you know, retreating, but that we're actually either A, standing our ground, or B, actually pushing forward and taking territory in our relationships, in our relationship with God, uh, emotionally, physically, maybe even financially. I, I would love for us, to get to the end of this year, and even if you've got some bruises and some scars, to know that actually we are stronger, we are healthier, and we're ready for a very fruitful 2021. Um, so this series that we're going to be taking a look at is based on a passage, a very well-known passage of Scripture, actually, out of the book, the small little letter of Ephesians, the last chapter, chapter 6. And there's a, a portion that we're going to read from and that we're going to unpack over the next few weeks uh, that basically looks at what, at what many have entitled the armor of God. And it's different, different things that we uh, commit to, practices, habits, ways that we actually strengthen our mind, strengthen our hearts, uh, things that will actually help us to stand our ground against the attacks of the enemy. Now, most of the time, we don't want to think about the fact that we may have an enemy, and I also want to be very careful that we don't give him any more attention than is appropriate but I think that sometimes we're in danger of denying that we actually are, are living in a very real spiritual battle. Some have suggested that there is no neutral territory. Um, every, every square inch of the world we live in is claimed or counterclaimed by the enemy. And I think that sometimes one of the, one of the great uh, victories of the enemy is to convince you that he doesn't exist. And so we, we don't even live with any kind of a healthy or appropriate caution. The other extreme, though, is where, is where maybe um, he tries to encourage people to give him way too much credit. And so where we think he's kind of right up there with God and, and where it's this, this neck and neck battle going on, which is not the case either. He is a created being. All of his helpers are created beings. God is the creator. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present. If you're a Christian, if you are following Jesus, if you're in a relationship with God, then you are on the winning side. And in fact, even this, this book of Ephesians, which is well worth reading, by the way, paints such a vivid picture in the, in the early portions of this little letter, um, describing how powerful Jesus is. We are on the winning side. But I do want to encourage you, just like many professional uh, teams at, at half time, you know, a soccer team, a basketball team, whatever, would actually stop and, and take stock and figure out, you know, how to replenish and how to go into the second half and score goals, how to make sure that they are actually making progress. I want to encourage you in the same way over the next week and the weeks ahead to actually be very intentional about taking stock as we go into the second half of this year. Um, I've got to be honest and say that at the beginning of the year when we kind of had our Vision Sunday, uh, I felt a little bit nervous and just so you know, uh, a little bit of truth in the trade, I think for many leaders, we, we 
we try and speak boldly when it comes to vision when we're at least just a little bit more than 50% confident. I don't think you ever get 100% confident. You're never absolutely 100% convinced of everything. You're, you're trying to discern and figure out just like everybody else. And I remember at the beginning of the year just really struggling to, to have a, a sense that there are these numerical and, and tangible goals that we needed to set for the church. I just kept feeling this burden for this word that you've heard us mention many times called formation. The, the idea that, that God is wanting to form us. Who are we becoming? Are we allowing fruit to be formed in our lives or are we just occasionally trying to force fruit or fake fruit? Or are we allowing God to actually form fruit in us? And I, I've got to stand by that. I, I don't think it was a coincidence. I think God was leading us. I think we were trying to discern correctly. I am passionately committed to the core of our church, getting to the end of this year and having become a lot more like the people that God's called us to become, that we would allow him to actually uh, form in us and out of us what he is wanting to form in us. So very simply, what I want to talk about today as an introduction. So this is an introduction to the armor of God. We're going to unpack the different pieces going ahead. It is simply to be strong, to resist the enemy, and to take territory. I want you to be strong. I want you to actually resist the enemy. And not only that, but I want us to actually take territory. And I'll explain in a moment how I believe we can do that. So point number one is simply to be strong and reading from the beginning of this portion that I've referenced in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Paul the Apostle is writing to these early Christians and he says a final word or in the ESV or NIV, it says finally, like after he said everything that he said in the book of Ephesians, which again, it's worth going back to read, right? After he's described how amazing Jesus is in chapter one, as, as Paul describes the gospel and how we are saved by grace. And in verse 10, it says that we uh, are created for a purpose, to walk in the good works that God has prepared for us in advance. Again, chapter three talks about the outrageous love of God. Some of you are familiar with verse 20, where it says that we can do Sorry, that, that, that God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ever hope or think. Uh, chapter 4 talks about unity in the body and God giving us gifts to that body. And in fact, verse 1 of chapter 4, Paul literally says, I beg you to live a life worthy of your calling. Chapter 5 and the very beginning of chapter 6 talks about how we can enjoy healthy, godly relationships. And then as he concludes this letter, he says a final Word. So after all of that's been said and done, it's almost like a, like, like a general's call to, to his soldiers. And I don't want you to miss that. We're, we're not, in fact, someone suggested that it's an oxymoron to be a passive Christian. You cannot be a passive Christian. We are actually in the body of Christ, in the family of Christ. Yes, the church is a hospital, but it's also an army. He says a final word, be strong. You don't have to be bulletproof and, and never dealing with challenges to be strong, but he's encouraging us to, to almost like stand our ground, be strong. But then notice the word that's underlined, be strong in the Lord. Not just in grit and determination and in willpower and in your own strengths and gifts, although that's important, but he's saying, no, no, you're going to be facing a battle that involves more than just grit and determination. This is a spiritual battle. He's saying, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Again, go back to chapter 1 and read about some of that power 
that we have access to. In fact, it says that the same uh, power that raised Jesus from the dead actually lives in us if we are in a relationship with him. Put on, verse 11 says, put on all of God's armor. So, so you, you don't really want to only pick and choose you know, what you think suits you. I feel like a little bit of the Bible every now and then. Yeah, I suppose I should guard my mind against what, what comes in. No, no, we, we actually have to, we have to suit up. We have to make sure that we cover every part of our body. We need to guard our minds. We need to guard our hearts. We need to keep it all together with the belt of truth. We need to make sure that we are walking in God's purposes, that we are exercising faith and that we are defending and fighting back with what Paul calls the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Paul is calling Christians to stand firm. And again, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to breed fear in anybody. I just want to encourage you to be mindful, to be, to be on God, to be perceptive of the fact that we have an enemy he never has a moment of mercy, and he's not, he's not blatant and, and reckless about, about how he tries to distract or discourage us. It's generally subtle. You often won't even perhaps notice it unless you are standing firm and being on God. But I want to encourage you that through our mind, through our emotions, through our relationships, um, you have an enemy that actually has a strategy against you. It goes on in verse 12 to say, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. So I want to pause here for a moment. You're not actually fighting against that person who's annoying you right now. You're not actually fighting against the government or ESCOM or fill in the blank. You're not actually, your greatest battle is not against that person that is offending you, even though they may have caused legitimate harm. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But I'm saying that there's an enemy. Let's even say you have a real flesh and blood enemy. I'm saying that there's still an enemy behind the enemy. And so how we fight these battles, if it's a spiritual enemy, we need to fight them spiritually. But against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against the evil spirits in heavenly places. In fact... This idea is reiterated in different places in the Bible. One of the perhaps very practical no-holds-barred descriptions of this is found in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, where he says, stay alert, watch out. And I feel for us as a church, I feel for myself, I feel for my family, I feel, again, this isn't, please don't, please don't misunderstand the tone, this isn't an, anx an anxious-driven or a fear-driven caution. No, no, this is like, hey, hey, like, there's a great purpose for your life. God wants you to make a difference. God wants you to, to leave a legacy. There's a lot at stake. So, hey, make sure that, that, that you protect that. Make sure that you guard what matters most. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. And by the way, we often make this point, especially in Growth Track, that, that the predator doesn't attack the weakest sheep, he attacks the most isolated sheep. So if you're, if you're kind of trying to fight for your life by yourself, there's a very good chance that you're going to be vulnerable. And I'll explain a little bit more in a moment about, about how there's nothing to protect your back. You actually need a friend to, 
to have your back. Don't ever try and do this life alone. Don't try and stand strong by yourself. We need one another. You have an enemy who's looking for someone to, to distract and discourage and devour. So even here in verse 9, again, he uses the same language as Paul. Peter says, stand firm. Like, don't let him push you back. Stand your ground. This, this word stand actually appears multiple times in the Ephesians 6 passage. And here we read it again in 1 Peter chapter 5. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Not just strong in your charisma, not just strong in your gifting, not just strong in your determination, but be strong in your faith. When you start, when you start worrying that God is actually in control, be strong in your faith. When you, when you start worrying that, that maybe God's not going to be able to use you the way you thought he was going to use you, stand strong in your faith. When you start worrying about that family member or that friend who you see being discouraged or distracted, I want to encourage you to fight for them. Don't, don't just give up and throw your hands up and, and say, that's really sad. Stand firm and be strong in your faith. Number one, we want to be strong. Number two, we have to resist the enemy. We have to resist the enemy. That passage in Ephesians 6 goes on in verse 13 to say, therefore, put on, again, every piece of God's armor, so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. There may be days where you feel a little bit worse for wear. There are days where I feel a little bit more battle-weary. There are days where I wouldn't mind having a little bit of a break on a nice island somewhere, a nice beach holiday. But, but even if you feel a little bit battle-weary, I want to encourage you to continue to stand your ground, resist the enemy, because after the battle, you will still be standing firm. The, the rest of this passage, which we're going to look at in the coming weeks, tells us how to stand firm, how to resist the enemy. We look at things like the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and our feet fitted with the gospel of peace and the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation. We're, and again, these are all metaphors, but we're going to unpack and explain practically how you can guard your mind, guard your heart, how you can fight back with the word of God. Because I actually do think that most of the attack that we face. This is my opinion. My opinion is that the vast majority of the spiritual battle takes place in our mind. I think that the vast majority of, of, of the, the wrestling, the battling, the fighting that goes on, and again, it's not always obvious, is actually through being deceived. And I think that the, the greatest deception always has an element of truth in it. Satan comes to Eve in the Garden of Eden said, did God really say that you shouldn't have, you know, enjoy any of the fruit? Well, God didn't say that. God said that there's one tree, but, but he takes an element of truth. Well, God did say something to avoid, or like he says to Jesus, when he, when he wants him to throw himself down, he says, doesn't scripture say that the angels will come and protect you? And Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, it does say that, but then it also says, don't test the Lord your God. We have to be, I think we have to be vigorously diligent. In terms of fighting this battle, we have to be vigorously uh, and rigorously diligent in making sure that we are constantly spending time in God's Word, that we, that we can counteract the attack by renewing our minds. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 
says that we are human, again, it's making this point very clearly, but we don't wage war as humans do. So we're not just fighting normally. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning. That, that word there, strongholds, and even further on, false arguments, is actually referring to, to walls. Walls that imprison people that are being built up, and they remain imprisoned literally by lies. So that stronghold, that, that wall that is going up, is every brick is another lie. So often we think that we have issues, and God, just help us to work through our issues. But I think that most of the time, it's actually about our identity. When we know the truth about who we are, when we know the truth about who God is, when we know that we are loved, when we know that we are forgiven, when we know that we can run to the Father and receive grace and mercy, and, and that He will give us the, the will and the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. When we, when we replace all of the lies, all of the deceptions with truth, I feel like we are literally taking the bricks off of those walls. So many people are living in bondage to nothing real. We're living in bondage to lies and to deception. So we want to be very intentional about resisting the enemy. We want, we want to be strong. We want to resist the enemy. And number three, we want to take territory. We, we don't want to just, I mean, I don't know about you, but sometimes I get so tired of feeling like I'm having to just defend against, against attacks. Like somewhere along the line, I think the best form of defense is to actually go on the offense, where we actually fight back. And we're like, enough of this. I'm going to take some territory. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to be generous. I'm going to forgive that person. No, they don't deserve it, but I'm going to forgive them anyway. I'm going to be gracious. I'm going to, I'm going to share my, my gifts, my time, where we actually take territory. I think that one of the most powerful ways that we take territory is through prayer. So I think when we, when we stop just thinking and when we stop just trying to process and maybe even express concerns and, and frustrations, and a lot of it could be absolutely accurate, but, but, but when we say, okay, there's enough of that, I'm actually now going to pray. I'm actually going to do something spiritual. Me just intellectualizing this and, and, and having conversations and, and venting with one another, there's a place for that, but that's not actually taking territory. Maybe that's helping me stay alert, but that's not taking territory. I believe that one of the greatest ways for us to take territory is to pray. Let's fight back prayerfully. In fact, in verse 18 of Ephesians chapter 6, it says that we should be praying at all times in the Spirit. Hopefully we'll get to that in this series. Just two chapters before what we're looking at now, in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1, Paul says, Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord. By the way, he's writing this in some ways, in some cases he says, I mean chains. Like he's actually under, he is being guarded. He's in prison. Paul is writing this to the Christians in Ephesus, even though he's being imprisoned for, for serving God and for trying to share this message. You talk about a battle. He's saying that I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Perhaps if you forget everything else I say today, I want to encourage you. I'm, I'm begging you, as we look at the last half of the year 2020, certainly a year that's going to go down in history for many reasons, I'm begging you to live a life worthy of your calling. Don't just survive. Don't just hang in there. Please don't give in to, to just feeling like I'm a victim. 
ask God to give you eyes to see, to give you a mind that understands His will. God, how do you want me to live a life worthy of my calling? It might start at home, it might start at work, it might start as many of you are going back to school. God, help me to live a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. You have. You've been called by God. You haven't been called by your parent or your cousin or your auntie or your friend or your pastor. No, no. You've been called by God. So live a life worthy of your calling. And I do not think that we'll be able to do that unless we will be strong. So we keep fighting to be strong. We resist the enemy and we take territory. Very quickly, a couple of examples, practically speaking, that I would love you to do this. So, so what I would love to see for the remainder of 2020 is that we will do everything we can to be strong, to resist the enemy, and to take territory by, number one, forming habits that form us. Forming habits that form us. We all have habits. Some of them are intentional. Some of them, some of them are accidental. In fact, I was actually reading one commentary around this passage where, where the scholar said that we can drift into sin, we will never drift into righteousness. So if we're just going to drift, well, there's a good chance we're going to drift down the wrong road, down the, the wide path. But if you're, going, if you're wanting to walk down the narrow path, we have to be decisive. We have to be determined to evaluate our habits and to keep making sure that, that we're forming habits that form us into who we think God wants us to be. You'll hear us coming back to this idea again and again, but, but one of my greatest tangible goals is that by the end of this year, the vast majority of the core of our church have already worked out and are trying to apply a rule of life for their lives. A rule of life is simply your schedule, your values, your, your spending, your time, your energy that helps you to love God and love people. And so we're going to find every possible way that we can think of to encourage you around the rule of life because the rule of life is ultimately about forming habits that form you into who God wants you to be. Secondly, I think that, it, that, that we will be strong, resist the enemy, and take territory by forming life-giving relationships. By forming life-giving relationships. I mentioned earlier that we need one another. We need people to have our back. There are few things that are going to affect your walk, your strength, your conviction, that are going to be able to pick you up when you fall and, and encourage you and speak purpose and, and healing and forgiveness into your life than healthy, life-giving relationships. In fact, we, we, we're kind of trying to describe them this way. And everyone's on a journey, and you might be at a different journey to somebody else, so don't, don't compare. But, but we've tried to describe this in messages going, uh, that we've done in the past where we're trying to explain like entry-level relationships and what a next step might look like. The best way that I can describe this so far, sometimes I struggle to articulate what it is that, that we're sensing and wrestling over, is that the first type of relationship that I think most people, well, everyone can experience, are simply relationships based on facts 
And that's where it's like face to face. So maybe you get involved in a serving team and, and hey, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. How's your day? Yeah, we're going all right. I haven't gone to back to work yet. I know we've gone back to work. Um, yeah, the kids are okay. Everyone's okay. The dog's okay. We're all okay. Or no, I've lost my job. It's really frustrating. But, but, but it's kind of like facts. And, or you're talking about sport or you're talking about the kids. And, and it's kind of like at an entry level. Nothing wrong with that. We all have to have lots of relationships like that. But we don't want those to be the only relationships that you, that you have. We also want people to have some relationships that, are, that involve feelings. So where you actually share heart to heart, where you talk about how you're feeling about your child struggling or how you feel about the, the challenges that your business is facing or how you feel about the fact that you've lost your job. And then lastly is what we call formation. And these are, are relationships that are actually back to back. So if facts are about face to face, feelings are about heart to heart, then formation is actually where we are standing back to back, and, and, and I'm, I'm fighting the enemy from this angle, my friend's fighting the enemy from that angle, and we're actually fighting for one another, like, like, like we're actually contending for each other, and you're encouraging each other, and you're praying for each other, and you are holding each other accountable. I would, I, I would love for every person in our church, somewhere along the line, to have at least one, if not two, life-giving, formational Relationship. Some of the ways to do this practically, like Sue mentioned earlier, is to attend growth tracks starting our next round starts next Sunday again. It just, it just helps direct you towards your next step. Or maybe you want to join Alpha this Tuesday. Again, even though it's on Zoom, it's, it's still it's a small group. You get to know, just talk about facts. That's okay. You don't have to share your feelings or have anyone have your back, but you can connect through Alpha or sign up for a life group. Just give it a go. I know that it is so unusual in an environment like this to first meet people on a Zoom call. I get it, but I think it's worth it. If we want to be strong, resist the enemy, and take territory, it's worth fighting to form life-giving relationships. And then lastly, so we're talking about forming habits that form us, uh, forming life-giving relationships, and then lastly, we want to fight to make a difference. Fight to make a difference. This comes back to this idea of of not just resisting the enemy, but actually taking territory. And I want to conclude with this passage in Ephesians 2 verse 10. I mentioned it briefly earlier. But again, this is Paul speaking to the same group of people. And he said that we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. He has planned for you to make a difference. Long ago. I don't know how long, but it says long ago. And he's wanting us to walk in those good works. In fact, I love the way the English Standard Version puts this. Moffat and Irwin, you might appreciate that. The English Standard Version says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. I love this. Which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. My encouragement is that as you go into the rest of today, some of you are going to be bringing blankets to the church, um, others of you are going to be serving in some way during the week, or maybe you have an opportunity to be a blessing at work or school tomorrow. I want to keep reminding you that 90 plus percent of the difference that you're going to make is where you are. You don't have to be called into some kind of full-time ministry. You don't have to be a missionary. You don't have to be on stage. 90 plus percent of the difference that you're going to make for God I think 90 plus percent of the good works that God has prepared for you beforehand to walk in, most of that is going to be in your ordinary, everyday, coming and going life. The people that you do life with, the people that he's already placed you around. And I believe that the greatest way for us to make 
a difference for us to, to push back against the enemy and to actually take territory is to keep asking God to give us eyes to see. God, give me eyes to see the good works that you have planned for today. Help me to walk in them, please. I want to encourage you for the second half of this year to be strong, not in your own strength, in God's, to resist the enemy by putting on the full armor, by actually suiting up. And if you want to know a little bit more about that before next Sunday, go and read the rest of Ephesians chapter 6. And to actually commit to taking territory, praying, God, help me to see the good works that you want me to walk in today. Please won't you close your eyes and allow me to pray for you. Father, thank you so much that you have already given every one of us that's in a relationship with you the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. We don't have to be insecure. We don't have to be um, anxious about the enemy, but we do have to be aware. We have to be alert. And so I just pray that you would help us to be wise to his tactics and help us to be confident and secure in your power. God, help us to fight back. Help us to stand our ground. Help us to recognize where we need to guard our minds, guard our mouths, guard our conversations, guard our hearts, and where we need to sort of defend the, the attacks with your word, but also where we can take territory pushing back prayerfully as we declare the truths of your word. So please, would you help us to see you this week? Help us to see people through your eyes and help us to see the good works that you want us to do in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray for every person that is watching this or listening to this that wants to begin a relationship with you. God, that you would help them to, to, to push back against any discouragement or distraction that, that would try and, and distract them from going full ball into a relationship with you. Help them to say yes to the forgiveness of Jesus and help them to commit to following you one step at a time, one day at a time, Help them to get connected to people that are going to be able to encourage them and relate to them and give them hope and just encouraging them in their next steps. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.